0: Welcome to Purpose, Inc., the podcast where we discuss corporate purpose and stakeholder capitalism. I'm your host, Michael Young. In this episode, I speak with Balaji Ganapathy, the global head of corporate social responsibility for Tata Consultancy Services. In case you're unaware, TCS is a $22 billion global information technology services provider, They compete with Accenture, Cognizant, IBM, Capgemini. The list I saw from CIO Magazine ranks TCS as second globally behind Accenture. And in his role, Bology focuses on harnessing the power of purpose, people, and technology to advance access, equity, and inclusion across society. And TCS does this on a global scale. The company has... 258 offices in forty-six countries and four hundred and fifty thousand employees. And I talked to Balaji about his very large brief at TCS, and we get into how his organization thinks about corporate purpose, the programs that it provides uh, that have a social impact focus and 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 there's a particular emphasis and and what was very exciting and interesting to hear on vulnerable populations, women, young girls, minorities, and other underrepresented groups. And with with a very large focus on educational initiatives that prepare young people for the world ahead, new thinking for a new era. Uh, TCS runs programs that teach kids the language of the digital age, design thinking, data structures, algorithms, as a means of creating opportunities for those who are disadvantaged. Uh, We talk about how TCS has reacted and responded to COVID-19 globally. Um, And I was really excited and grateful to have Biology on the podcast. He's a true leader in the corporate purpose space. He's on the front lines of delivering business-led solutions that address some of society, one of society's biggest problems, which is educating women, young girls, uh, underrepresented groups for the digital future. We uh, it's a great conversation. Uh, we wrap it up with a couple of ideas that uh, he dropped on me there at the last minute, which are probably episodes in and of themselves. And I'll just share those briefly here. But one is this idea that purpose is the new tech, uh, where once everyone wanted to be a tech company, now everyone wants to be a purpose company. But what does that actually mean? And and here's the, the real punchline he delivers is businesses need to stress test their business models for purpose. So you can't, those two things cannot be disconnected and i think that is a that is a large idea uh one that is central to my inquiry on this podcast it's something i'll be talking uh to some other folks about and i and i said to Balaji at the end uh, you know i want him to come back on and talk about that idea again just in and of itself because it's a it's a huge idea and a very important idea so without further ado here's my conversation with Balaji Ganapathy from TCS. Balaji, thank you for coming on the podcast.
1: Thank you, Michael. It's a pleasure to be here.
0: Fantastic. And, you know, when we spoke yesterday, you said something that um, really stuck out, which is you're part of an organization that a parent organization that's been around for 150 years and maybe just the, the the first question is how does tcs think about and define its purpose given that long very long corporate history
1: thank you michael it's a really good question uh, and uh, At TCS, we are really proud of our legacy and patronage to the Tata Group of companies. Uh, The Tata Group was founded 150 years ago um, with the mission to uplift the quality of life of people wherever we live and work. And uh, this was at a time when uh, the industrialization of India as a country was being done by Jamshidji Tata, our founder. So some of the core principles with which the group was founded and the values that uh, it stood for has uh, really helped us uh, flourish and grow and sustain uh, from a business, talent, and community perspective for the past 150 years. So even today, the ownership structure is such that the group, uh, uh, the parent company of TCS, is Tata Sons, And uh, Tata Sons is in turn uh, owned by majority shareholdership with two philanthropic trusts, uh, which own 66% of the company. So it's a very unique model of a $100 billion company with uh, over 100 companies across seven different sectors um, being owned, uh, majority shareholdership with two philanthropic trusts. So it sets the tone in terms of what is the culture? What is the purpose uh, for which you operate? And at TCS, uh, we uh, were founded in 1968. So we are a 51-year-old company at $22 billion in uh, revenue uh, in the last 12 months. And uh, we operate in about uh, 46 countries across the world. Um, and about 450,000 employees work for us. And at TCS, our purpose is also defined by what uh, we can do in terms of uh, technology and solutions to support our customers, uh, support the community, and support people around the world. And uh, that is what really drives what we do to use digital technologies for growth and transformation of our customers. So we view it as very um, inherent and coherent way of uh, bringing uh, value, um, harnessing the power of te- technology to bring value to our customers, bring value to our employees in terms of uh, career and growth and fulfillment, and uh, supporting the local communities where we live and work by bringing the best of what we have to offer.
0: Mm. <clears throat> and that that internal coherence, I think, is a, is a big idea. And, and I think it's probably one where a lot of corporations have to figure that out. And it sounds like that's very much embedded in the DNA at TCS. Could you say, give us a sense of, of what some of these purpose-driven programs are that you are specifically working on globally with, uh, for TCS.
1: Certainly uh, my pleasure. And so feeding off this uh, larger uh, um, sense of uh, purpose that the group and uh, TCS stands for, uh, our vision for CSR is uh, to empower people and communities uh, to create access to opportunities in the digital economy. Um, I say that because you know um, earlier this year, I had looked back at what uh, the trends were um, from a purpose point of view, in the last few years. And things that came to the top were the rising voice of people, the increasing adoption of technology, and purpose becoming more central and integral to companies um, across industries. And uh, uh, at TCS, the the mission that we embarked upon is to really build equitable and inclusive pathways for women, youth, and marginalized groups by connecting uh, them to new digital opportunities. Um, We live in a world where there is a lot more um, inequities that have been created in the last uh, several years uh, and further exasperated by the adoption of technology in everyday life, right? So whether it is social inequity, economic inequity, gender gender inequity, if we as companies don't do something about it intentionally, it is going to further grow. So we see it as our mission and our responsibility to do that. And how we go about that is to bring the best of what we have to offer in what I call the four C's, the four kinds of capital that can really come together to galvanize uh, what we can do for a community. Uh, It is our intellectual capital, our uh, technology capital, our human capital, and financial capital. And this is what uh, TCS does to... Really um, look at community problems where uh, we operate, and then create bespoke solutions uh, that uh, you know bring these four capitals to bear. And uh, in order to connect people to opportunities, it is important to focus on education, skilling, uh, employment, and entrepreneurship. And those are the top focus areas or strategic focus areas for TCS. Um, those. By addressing those needs, whether it is in the K 12 system through uh, programs that we have on computational thinking as a foundational skill, whether it is through um, uh, programs that uh, connect young kids with uh, technology in a way where they are using technology and learning how to use technology to solve real world problems, whether it is um, to uh, provide young people and young adults and especially women from marginalized section of community to uh, gain the skills that they become employable in these sectors, um, in digital jobs across industries or entrepreneurs who are in uh, rural parts of the world. um, Instead of uh, migrating to the urban spaces and the cities to find new opportunities, how we can use technology and digital to flip the model where they can, um, you know, really tap into opportunities in their own environment and create new economies. Those are the primary focus areas that we have in terms of programs. And we have programs mm-hmm. like Ignite My Future in School for K-12. Um, uh, we have GoIT, which is a program that we run in uh, several parts around the world. And in in North America, we run it in 77 cities. Um, we have programs like employability program, which uh, will create that bridge between uh, the people who have uh, uh, the interest, but not the skills to gain jobs in the digital economy and uh, bridge IT, which brings entrepreneurs uh, you know, in villages and connects them with uh, new opportunities so that uh, they can provide services to uh, people who are part of the village.
0: Mm. You you highlight a couple of interesting macro social trends: urban versus rural, <clears throat> gender, um, technology haves and have nots, and and could you give us a sense of what what's the scope of these programs? You you're obviously a global organization, um, nearly half a million employees. Help me understand, um, you know, where and and how deeply do you go into some of these communities with these programs?
1: Certainly. Let me take the example of our um, K-12 education program, which is Ignite My Future in School. So we've been working with the U.S. school uh, system for over a decade now, trying to understand the different opportunities and challenges that is faced by the system and how to work along with the government as well as education system to help uh, in terms of resources and support. One of the gaps that we identified is that uh, even bridging the gap from a technology and from a uh, digital skills perspective is uh, being focused only on computer science and related areas, right? Uh, Whereas um, in order for human intelligence, to inform what artificial intelligence should do um, some basic skills foundational skills are needed for every student who is coming through our education system so we identified computational thinking as that 21st century skill as the creative thinking and problem solving skill that can help humans tell machines what to do right the understanding of data algorithms abstraction modeling decomposition These are all terms that kids should learn and understand. But in order to do that, it is important that we focus on the often forgotten cross section of our education system, which is the teachers, right? So rather than looking at teachers as part of the problem, we looked at them as part of the solution. How can we empower them, provide them resources so that they can bring these opportunities to students and students can learn in a way? that is very transdisciplinary and integrated in nature. So we started this program two years ago, and today we are in over 150 school districts and all 50 states in the U.S. Um, Over 11,000 educators have adopted this curriculum, and uh, almost 670,000 students are using these lesson plans in uh, their schools to learn how... uh, um, you know, computational thinking is an uh, everyday a skill. But they learn it not as uh, a subject. It is integrated into every subject. So um, whether it is lesson plans like emoji essay, where students use emojis to create a new language, um, or outbreak, which is very relevant in the current scenario of COVID-19, where they learn how pathogens and disease uh, spread in the um, um, in in the community and what they can do and what are the different uh, career paths that are connected to that. So it is is programs like Ignite My Future that demonstrate how we work with uh, the system uh, to work along with uh, the education system at a national level, regional level, and local level to customize what we have to offer so that we are meeting communities where they are at and providing them resources that are valuable. So that is one program I wanted to highlight. Yeah. Um, Okay. Another program uh, is called GoIT, which we developed 10 years ago um, in response to the call to action that a lot of our young kids uh, often don't uh, understand what uh, the different job opportunities exist within technology. They often think of people who are in tech as uh, geeks and nerds and uh, have a unidimensional view. Um, that you're sitting behind a desk and, uh, you know, doing some coding, right? While that is one part of uh, careers that are available in this sector, today there are a very diverse uh, set of opportunities available. So through GoIT, what we do is to help students get a toolkit of uh, skills uh, like uh, design thinking, human-centered design, um, agile prototyping, but all put together as how digital innovation can happen if they identify a problem that they see in the community and want to solve it. So rather than be consumers of technology, they can become creators and they can solve problems that they see around themselves. So uh, this program is now in 77 cities. Um, So that's another example of how we work with uh, uh, the community and the, the widespread nature of uh, the uh, need and uh, response to the need. One thing I want to mention in both these programs is that the prioritization of whom we work with is those who are underserved. So high, free, and reduced lunch in a city neighborhood um, and uh, more focused on girls and minorities, very intentionally, uh, inclusion and uh, equity is built into uh, the program design.
0: That's, that's really interesting. There's a lot there that you, uh, that you said that I'd like to unpack. But that last point about the intentionality around the most vulnerable, I think is a very large idea. And, and one that I I think doesn't get enough attention in sustainability initiatives that we talk about stakeholders as if they're some homogenous group. Mm -hmm. But what I'm hearing and talking to other thinkers about is yes, there are stakeholders are all important, but let's let's go to those who are most vulnerable, most at risk, and mm-hmm. start there. And so I think it's it's very interesting that you've you've built that kind of approach into uh, how you think about these programs and, and how you implement them. But I I, I did want to maybe just ask you if I could about so these are very broad programs. What kind of frameworks do you have in place internally and externally to measure how you're doing? How do you how do you think about that? Because it's it's one thing to give uh, time, money, resources, uh, expertise, which is all vitally important. But then how do you know if you're making a difference? And that's another large question. So could you unpack that? How do do you think about that in your Uh, role?
1: Absolutely. I think it is really important that uh, in the sustainability and CSR space, we use the same kind of business sense and business approach that we would do in the line and the delivery space, right? So I approach it in that way that uh, overall we have a measurement and ROI framework that we adopt that looks at all of the elements of input, output, outcome, and impact, right? Uh, But we also look at program level measurements that uh, give the program owners and the partners the flexibility to and the agility needed in order to identify um, KPIs and uh, measures that are more contextual to the needs that they have, right? So it is it is a, a combination of these two, right? So at a high level, I may say that uh, my mission uh, and how I will measure, measure against my mission is if uh, people are gaining entry into new opportunities, uh, especially women, youth and marginalized groups, because those are the demographics that I've prioritized. And uh, the success factor I've defined is that, are they being connected to new opportunities? so it's not just enough to evoke interest provide skills create pathways but also uh, follow through and make sure that uh, those who want to choose those pathways are able to do that right but then at a programmatic level uh, we uh, look at a variety of factors we always start at the baseline um, and uh, look at uh, you know whether it is the computational thinking program or the um, digital Innovation Program. We look at the baseline and the community. So, if, if you are uh, going into, for example, we are working with uh, the state of Wyoming for a statewide adoption of GoIT to all of their schools, uh, middle schools across the state. And there, what we, as an example of how we use a measurement model, we started with uh, what is the, you know, demographic of students, what kind of uh, programs and curricular opportunities they have today. Um, who are the ones in need, what infrastructure do they have, so that before and after the program, we can then look at uh, measurements of uh, not only student interest and student uh, adoption, learnability and learning um, retention of some of these concepts, but we we can also look at program partners like a state or a nonprofit or a school and look at uh, where they are before and after because we support them with other resources. To your earlier point about um, not st- stakeholders are not monogenous um, um, or homogeneous, uh, it's really important to understand the needs of that specific partner. Do they have the resources? Do they have the infrastructure? What other things do they need in order to bring this to life, right? We also measure volunteer uh, impact on these programs. A lot of these programs are integrated and driven Uh, by our volunteers whom we train even before they interact with students so that we are preparing them uh, to have a positive experience and one that is value-adding. So we measure that as well. So the variety of measures we put in place, um, but at the end of the day, if we are against the mission and the vision that we have, the larger outcomes are also important. So it's not just about reach. It's not just about uh, uh, um, qualitative metrics, it is also about a combination of uh, quantitative and qualitative at a um, overall level, at a program level, at a partner level, and uh, the different stakeholders getting, you know, getting their inputs before and after. Um, so that's our approach.
0: Excellent. Yeah, and I heard in there that you're not parachuting in and telling communities. You're also pulling forward needs, which I think, again, is that, that, that difference in a mindset that is, is vitally important across sustainability. You said something about, well, as you were talking about the the different kinds of the programs and the training that you're bringing to, uh, young people, um, new thinking for a new era is what I wrote down. And I, you know, we're week two or three into the COVID mm-hmm. pandemic here. And I think I'd maybe, like to hear how, how, how has this impacted your organizational thinking and, and your initiatives and, and, and what, it, what are you seeing now that's different in it? If anything, it seems like we're going to be in for a long haul. So how do, how has this issue impacted TCS, but also your, your people, but also these, these, these specific initiatives that you've been uh, sharing with us?
1: Well, thank you for asking that. First of all, I want to you know, really share my uh, uh, thoughts and honor the um, health workers and those who are in the front line who are battling this uh, for us, right? We yes. really need their service at this moment and uh, uh, hopefully it gets better. Um, as time passes and uh, these uh, proactive and cautionary measures are fully uh, implemented, and we follow all of the people in the country, follow it, right? And globally also. Um, but, uh, you know, in, in terms of looking at this challenge three months ago, when it started in Wuhan uh, as a company with global operations, uh, we started to feel the impact almost immediately. And the first and foremost thing for us was to ensure the safety and well-being of our employees. So we put in place mechanisms so that uh, people can, if they are not able to move uh, from where they are, they are getting the support that is needed um, for those who are able to travel to get them to a place of comfort where they are with their family, um, they are able to um, uh, be safe, right? And then uh, putting in place precautionary measures to allow uh, for a work from home model where a large portion of our population today, a vast majority of our population today has moved to a completely um, work from home model, uh, which is unprecedented in a sector like ours where there is a heavy demand from customers in terms of um, um, security and privacy and uh, all of the data infrastructure and technology infrastructure that comes with that. So a huge lift from, um, you know, our internal teams to uh, mobilize and be ready for that. Um, And following that was, uh, you know, looking at business continuity and how to support our customers uh, because a lot of the work that we are doing is in the essential services space, right? We support banks, financial institutions, healthcare companies, pharmacies, government agencies. So it is vital and important that at this time, when everybody is relying on technology infrastructure because physical infrastructure is not accessible, that we step up and uh, uh, make sure that uh, we are supporting that. And and th- thanks to the efforts of uh, the tremendous efforts from our teams, we are able to do that. And I'm saying this because this is the same approach that we have used on our community initiative side as well. First and foremost was to connect with all of our partners and people whom we serve through those programs to make sure that their safety and well-being was being taken care of. And As you know, different parts of the world, the level of awareness about COVID-19 and what precautions should be taken varies, right? And in some places, uh, the awareness was higher than other places. In some places, the accept of, acceptance of enforcing those self-discipline and those measures was also different. So we have constantly been engaged with our partners in the network to share these communications and wherever possible, convert it into regional languages so that especially those communities which are vulnerable and people who are underserved have the same kind of knowledge and resources uh, regarding how to protect themselves as uh, those in the urban neighborhoods and those who are safe and secure in their home have, right? The second thing was to then use the same kind of uh, model that we used on the business side to provide our programs in an online and virtual format. So the two programs that I mentioned to you, GoIT and Ignite My Future in School, are already available in a online and virtual format. In fact, our teams are doing webinars and sessions for educators and schools and nonprofit partners so that they are able to use these resources, especially at a time when people are stuck at home and are looking for good programmatic content that is relevant to their needs, right? Even in a country like India, where we have programs running in about one third of all the districts in the country, uh, we have progressively started to shift into a online model. It's not as easy uh, in many places where infrastructure, technology infrastructure may not be available, uh, but we are working through that one step at a time, right? And then in response to the larger need um, of the community, whether it is related to healthcare infrastructure, food security, infrastructure, uh, on the equipment uh, front, um, you know, we are we are looking at what we can do. The Tata Group and the Tata Trusts, as a coordinated effort, we have already pledged uh, $200 million to support this effort globally. And, uh, Our researchers in our innovation lab are also working on compounds and molecules uh, that could potentially uh, one day lead to more vaccines and cures to COVID-19. So it is a all-round effort from our business side, our uh, our community partners, our own program teams. My own team has, uh, I mean, while we travel a lot and we are uh, on the road to meet with communities and partners, now in shifting to this model has not been easy, uh, yeah. but we are making it work. And and most importantly, staying in touch with each other, comforting each other, giving each other hope, because we need hope. We need to strengthen our resolve that, uh, yes, the crisis is not done. It is uh, far from done. But if we come together um, and uh, stick together, we can overcome this.
0: Yeah, no, that's... Uh phenomenal point in it and an incredible move and pivot that you've undertaken at a very, very rapid pace. Just maybe a, a couple of minutes on if you were to if you were to summarize what you have learned in this in this job, in this role, at this organization, what, what are some of the things that you would share with other leaders who, are on this journey and maybe they've been on it for a while too, or they're new to it. What have you learned on this road, uh, in, in terms of sustainability and, 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 and being a, 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 a corporate participant, uh, in, in the, the private public move of stakeholder capitalism, of trying to make ultimately, uh, trying to create positive social impact. What are your lessons learned and what criticism have you maybe faced that you've, you've dealt with, that you've overcome? And, and so how would you advise others that are on this journey?
1: (laughs) Thank you for asking that question. So first of all, I still consider myself a student um, in in the past two decades i have performed a variety of roles, but uh, one of the most fulfilling ones has been uh, uh, this particular role uh, of uh, leading our community initiators initially in North America and now globally. Um, it's a fulfilling one because, you know, um, the Japanese concept of ikigai, right? Uh, um, doing what you love, um, uh, being able to do that with those who love what you do, uh having the skills and the capabilities to do it and being paid to do that right it's it's a perfect combination uh so some people call it the happy sector right or the happy profession where uh you know your your uh, values your expectations are aligned to what uh, happens or what you see and what you experience on a daily basis um so i, I i'm really gla- grateful and um i i take uh Uh, that very seriously every day uh, as a responsibility that the best of what i have to offer what my company has to offer how can i bring it to bear to look at community related initiatives so the way i approach it and the lessons i've learned is that first of all this is a professional space so this is not uh, uh just to have fun or social events or you know um let's go clean up a park and uh take some pictures and post them on the internet and have fun, right? I'm not opposed to people who want to volunteer and do, um, you know, those sort of efforts. I have tremendous respect for them. But uh, as a leader who's driving these initiatives, it is important for the world and the companies to recognize the role of purpose within organizations. I am thankful and blessed to be in a company where it's been part of the business model. Um, and I really have encouraged my peers and others whom we have interacted with over the years to adopt a similar approach in their organizations or uh, share the examples of what we do uh, to help uh, um, you know reiterate that uh, purpose is integral to every company's existence, right? Um, I always surround myself with people who are more talented than I am. Um, and I think that's a great... Uh, um, um, you know factor of our success because people who have multidimensional diverse talent really bring in the thought process and the capabilities to really look at problem statements from different points of view and that has really helped us uh, develop solutions that uh, look at uh, community aspect look at the business aspect look at technology look at uh, you know other aspects like uh, how can we do stakeholder engagement how can we integrate business how can we work with governments and our customer network so that is uh, one um, way of looking at it that uh, uh, has helped me and uh, is part of my style um and uh, i can go on but i think i should pivot to your second part of the question around criticism and i can totally relate to anybody who has a critique about whether purpose is uh, really uh, become centered to organizations or is this another form of greenwashing, right? And I think those questions are important because you have to hold the feet to the fire of uh, anybody who's a CEO or a board. Uh, you know, I, I hold my feet to the fire. Uh, I, I'm a moral beacon and a compass for my board and my CEO and my leadership team, Um Uh, And uh, I think uh, we need to ask ourselves, are we walking the talk, right? Uh, Are we demonstrating through our actions? Um, And uh, if we are doing business that is uh, uh, reductive in nature on one side and takes away from resources of people and communities, and on the other side, we uh, feed in money and uh, programs to offset that, um, I don't think that is something that will last long not in this scenario, not in this new world order. Um, So that is a change that people have to be comfortable with, that if your business model has not been stress tested uh, for purpose, it's better to do that now and think through it because at some point or other, you're going to face a growth challenge if you don't do that. So I'm, you know, I'm my own worst critic, uh, but I'm also very optimistic that, Uh, companies are trying to do this for the right reasons, at least the group that I've surrounded myself with, which uh, come from uh, some of the big uh, companies in US and around the world, um, I feel that they are authentic. A lot of them want to do the right thing and are looking to other stakeholders like investors and um, the board and uh, um, government to come together to inform and shape things in that direction. So I think uh, purpose is the new tech. Um, It's my favorite uh, line to say these days because very provocative, right? Uh, That uh, um, every company wants to be a technology company or wanted to be a technology company for the last several years, right? That was the new fad and the trend. Today, every company wants to be a purpose-driven enterprise. Easier said than done, right? But I think that journey Will define where we assess society in the next uh, five to ten years.
0: Fantastic! I, <clears throat> all right. So you just gave us the, the the headline for the show. Purpose is the new tech, quoting <laughs> you. I love that. Um, and and the other point is, and this is going to have to be a whole nother episode, and we're going to wrap here in a second. But what you said about having your business model stress test for purpose mm-hmm. is is i think such an important point because you cannot the this, this you can there cannot be a gap between say and do anymore right Absolutely. you cannot simply go out there and you know purpose wash and have some kind of a side hustle with um uh, virtue and do different things on, on the, and, and have the business model be something different. And I think that is, that's an episode in and of itself, and we don't have time to get into that, but I, I want to thank you for that, for making that point, because I think if there's anything I, I like to hear about from leaders like yourself is that level of introspection and that level of self-criticism and knowing that. We, we are as good as what we are doing, not what we are saying. And I think, you know, you've put it together very succinctly in, in how you think about it across the board. So I, I just want to thank you really for taking the time to speak with me and to share your ideas. And uh, And I, I hope to have you back on the podcast because I want to come back to this. Um, I'm happy to be
1: back. I'm happy to be back uh, to discuss this in more detail, Michael, because I think it is going to define uh, which companies uh, continue to exist, which companies continue to grow, but more importantly, what those companies and what we as a business sector can come together and do to uh, bridge some of the inequities that exist in society today. Right. So um, thank you for uh, pointing that out and uh, elevating that. And uh, absolutely. Um, I'd love to come back. But this is such a pleasure to interact with you and share thoughts uh, about a variety of areas. Um, Thank you for having me.
0: Oh, my pleasure, Balaji. And uh, great, great uh, to have you on. And uh, very much appreciate your time. And we'll have to end it there. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you again. The Purposing Podcast is a production of Actual Agency helping innovators communicate in a changing world. More at www.actual.agency.